1: Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, rethink shopping, life, budgets, money, and more, and build some community while you're at it. She Rose Bedruden with the Buy Nothing Project shares about her experience inside a gift-based economy, a giving-based economy, and how giving and receiving items from each other can completely change the finances and our lives. Asking a neighbor for help. On the addition of the technological world with Blaine Kylo, we get a lot into games and changes to Twitter as well. And are you okay? Okay with gorillas doom scrolling like you and I do on our phones? And are you okay with funerals? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with? Now, this one is concerning. And I'm going to flag it for you before we get started. Are you okay with funerals? Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: starting off strong. Uh, I mean, they get they get the job done, don't they? You know, it depends. Well, it's
1: always <laughs> closure is a weird thing, you know. It's a strange. It duck. is.
2: There's. I feel like there's there's so many different types of funerals too. There's tragic, and then there's also kind of like peaceful and uh, it's very dependent. But um, if you as a family can come together and do a good job at a funeral, it it can be a very important part in healing, I I would say, in my experience. Mm. Well,
1: there's so many variables to it, right? Um, You know, if it's a tragedy, it's hard to celebrate the life of somebody. If it's a surprise, if somebody was sick and uh, maybe fought the good fight. Uh, celebration seems a little bit easier. Um, But when it's a surprise, that's really, really hard. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many different perspectives on it. I mean, open casket or not. I mean, some people, that's different. You know, Uh it's a big business, though.
0: Well, that's what I was going to
1: say. uh, On the business aspect, I imagine
0: if you are an owner or proprietor of a funeral home, you probably are unfortunately, okay with funerals because it's yeah. good for business.
1: Well, and that's another thing. I mean, I get it when a funeral home person says, you know, we, we just provide a service for closure and, and they have that tone about them, right? The funeral home people, they have a strange tone about them. Um, but at the same time, it's very expensive and high margin. Like these funeral homes make a lot of money. Not a job that's for everybody, I suppose. Um, there's strange ways that people celebrate people's lives as well. Uh, this is are you okay with after all? But whether it's celebrating someone's life or, you know, trying to find healing in it. It seems like there's owners of a club in Washington, D.C., thought that they could do something for a rapper who was tragically murdered last month. Somebody had the idea that they could have a very special funeral for this person. Markel Morrow, who rapped under the stage name Gunu, was killed during a suspected robbery. Now, in order to celebrate his life, his funeral was held inside the Bliss nightclub perfectly fine, right? They charged $40 to get in uh, to get a cover charge um, for this. At the show, though, this is the catch. This is the open casket part. They propped up his embalmed body on the stage like a statue and put a crown on his head. And he was there in the club on the stage. Upright. Fox Two got a reaction from a local DC pastor about this. We are in the
0: best of times and the worst of times, and there are there are no filters. I I don't get what people are doing, but uh, that just I just can't imagine being in a club or any other place with a body hanging up. So I'm really hoping that uh, that was not the case. And as I hope, I think. He probably was, you know, and and the idea that there is a body or corpse in a nightclub is tacky enough. But on top of that tackiness, they're charging 40 bucks to get in to see.
1: Forty dollar cover charge. So here's the catch, though, right, is that people paid forty dollars to come into this event, which I'm sure somebody could say it's to help cover the costs of the funeral, for example, Um, I don't think it should be, like, (laughs) mandatory. By the way, if you want closure, you have to pay. But at the same time, maybe that's what they're trying to do. The nightclub has since released a statement in response to negative comments about this, apologizing to those who may have been upset or offended about the party and claiming that management wasn't made aware of how it would transpire. Despite how that story makes you feel, the family was all for it. Gunu's mother, Patrice Morrow, told Fox 2, people just saying what they want to say, and that's just fine. That's perfectly fine. I'm pleased with how I sent my son away. I wish people would just let me grieve in peace. And she has a point. Yeah. Right? That's she. I mean, if she's okay with it, it's the family. Uh, how does the, the family do that? I'm just not sure that everybody who paid $40... And walked in, you imagine walking into, you know, back in your your nightclub party days, and then you sort of see the stage and the dance floor, and you probably don't expect to see that. Yeah. That's That's the moment. That's the moment when people go, I think that people go, oh, my God. Because with a closed casket or an open casket, many people will choose not to walk up to the casket. Yeah. Because it's not the jam. Some people like to say goodbye. I always find it like I not my jam, but I like I, people will bend over and kiss the person on the forehead or something like that, right? Or touch their hand and, and say, you know, I love you and, and and say their goodbyes the way that it works for them. So that to me is okay for them, but maybe not for me, but the mom's okay with it. So are you okay with it now? after the mom says she's okay with it, even though it's probably a hell of a surprise. It, it definitely changes my opinion. I, at the end of the day, it's
2: it's really not for me to judge, is it? Especially if the mom, who is very important in this whole picture, uh, you know, I didn't know him. Uh, and and maybe, you know, he loved that club. He lo- loved that culture. And that was his favorite thing to do was just sit in the club and watch people party. And that, that's the idea. That's why they had him standing there in a, in a cool maybe. outfit maybe but at the end of the day if she's okay with it and she's happy with how she said goodbye then that's you man
1: that's you that's okay can we all agree it's strange though it's real strange
2: very strange oh it doesn't change the fact that it's very strange and I never ever 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 want to be in any like vicinity of anything like that in my life ever
1: Mm. (laughs) it's not the limousine Cadillac ride that everybody was hoping for you know Um, but I remember when my grandfather passed away, my dad's dad, that was one of the best afternoons that I've ever had with my dad. Right. And I love my papa, right? Like I remember everything about those days and uh, we went to the Legion and drank, uh, crown Royal and Cokes all day. And, and, uh, that's, that's what we did and paid tribute to my grandfather. And and it turned into being one of my favorite days with my dad, even though it was such a tragic day. So, you know, good things come out of stories like that.
2: Absolutely.
1: The crown on the head, though, man, and the the, do not Google it, please. (laughs) No, because he's standing in the corner next to the curtain uh, with a crown on his head. Um. Yeah. My God. Okay. (laughs) Are you okay with cowboys?
2: Mm, Yeah. I. I don't know why we still have cowboys. I'm sure there's a good reason. I'm sure somebody could explain it to me, but I've never really been a big fan, even though I live in Western Canada. I've never been a big fan of the whole Western uh, cowboy uh, culture. I do love that accent, though. I love it. It's like sweet molasses coming off your tongue. I love it.
0: Uh, BK, cowboys? (sighs) It's a subculture I never really explored. Um, A lot like funerals to each your own. Just you, you do you,
1: and I, well, I the, won't judge. The reason why there are cowboys is because it's actually a job. Now, the question is, is are you a cowboy, or are you in a costume? Would be. Like, the Calgary yeah, Stampede yeah. has
0: yeah, a
1: minimal perfect. number of actual cowboys that are in the rodeo who live ranching life, farming life, and all those things who are professional cowboys. And then there are costumes. When I put on a plaid shirt and jeans and boots, I'm wearing a costume. <laughs> I am not a cowboy, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter how doesn't matter how well I I mow the lawn or herd the dogs and cats and bunnies in the neighborhood. Still not an actual cowboy, but it's a real job. There aren't many cowboys, true cowboys left. But when you get out into the rural areas, it's legit career, uh, profession. It's like a work attire it's like your uni for work but we found one cowboy of all places in florida
0: i think this is where the florida theme is mm-hmm. supposed to play but
1: mm-hmm. i can
0: tell
2: it's mm-hmm. this Very is actually
0: nice. the clip from the story down lower florida
2: i, I considered florida, doing that yeah. da, da. Florida. Right.
1: Well, apparently, uh, do we have the next clip or no? Yeah, this, this longer clip that was here
0: for the Florida theme is probably the, oh, I see. the
1: story, I imagine. Okay, good meeting. Thanks, guys. Yep. This cowboy's name is David Bosselay. He's become well-known to employees at Dunkin' Donuts after he started making weekly treks through the drive-thru atop his horse, Jackson. Yeehaw. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna take my horse to the- That's us going to Duncan, right there, Old Town Road. It's the dynamic Duncan duo you might have seen trotting around town. Modern-day cowboy David Beausoleil and his 8-year-old trusty Steve Jackson make the trip into LaBelle once a week, quite literally taking his horse down the Old Town Road. First thing in the morning when it's nice and cool, Catch the river when the sun's coming up. It's a long journey even for this retired bull rider, about 12 miles there and back. It's a half a day event. Once we make it over the bridge, we head right to Dunkin' Donuts to get our coffee. These two have become regulars at the Dunkin' drive through Hi, buddy. They like to pat him, they scratch him, they hand him his donut. David, he gets a cup of joe while Jackson, well, he prefers the sweets. His order is just a plain donut hole. So why ride two hours one way just to get a cup of coffee when, you know, there's cars?
1: Well, he said these weekly walks with Jackson the Horse have a positive impact on him. It's good for patience, experience. To be around vehicles and whatnot, he said it really shows him patience and to, you know, stay focused. And he probably feels like a bit of a badass. That story is from M- NBC, too. Um, my buddy, Brandon Alexander, who's been here, joined us on the shift many times. Yeah. He's an actor from Hollywood and uh, and a dancer. And he is a cowboy. Really? On the weekends. That's, that's his life. His expression of himself is cowboy. He has a horse named Smokey Joe, who's an actor as well. He's in all Spooky kinds of movies That's and uh, some, and he goes out and he does uh, trail rides and teaches young people welcoming them into horse culture and the, the equestrian life and caring for a horse and does rides and everything else. And you do a wild guess where his horse is. He's in Hollywood behind oh, yeah. the Hollywood sign. There's a big stable right behind the Hollywood sign. Uh, sunset stables i think it's called i forget um it's very popular and that's where he keeps his horse and so in the daytime he works as an actor and everything else and in the evenings and weekends he's out you know mucking out stalls and and living into that expression of of himself now we have a horse here it was english jumping for a little bit more of the fancy of the horses but um It's a, um, it's an incredibly grounding experience. So when you asked about earlier about cowboys and why, um, it's a very simple and grounded and connected way of life. And I would say that there's nothing wrong with, with the question, Ryan, of, of, you know, what's the point of cowboys? I think that's a yeah. I think that's a very fair question. If you've if you've lived in the city, uh, and I would say the answer to that question is to get out and spend some time. If you can come with me, if you like, go to the barn and meet some horses and see that lifestyle. It's amazing. It truly is not for I, me, but it's amazing.
2: My grandpa, never forget, my grandpa found more peace with horses than he did with other people. Sometimes I remember it was right after something had happened, and uh, we took him out to the stable and just watching him you know calmly pet them and feed them apples and i think i even got to ride one that day uh it's it is different i mean that's been a long time since and i'm sure i'd appreciate it for sure um i think it's amazing that people can do it uh and i would love to see one at a drive through i even saw one of the police horses uh yesterday in downtown mm-hmm. calgary i was like damn mm-hmm. that's a cool horse
1: <laughs> well you you like steak right
2: I love steak. Steak's fantastic.
1: In most ranches, those cows are moved around still. Um, some cowboys do it in trucks and some cows do it on quads, but in most cases, the best and most, you know, efficient way to do it is on a horse and you're moving them from field to field and getting them into their, their feeds and whatever's next. So, you know, there you go. It is present in your life, whether you see it or not. And I think it's really cool. Very cool. Really cool. Glad you brought it up because let's just talk about it a little bit. Those are things that we don't really get into a whole lot. And it's not for mm-hmm. me, like maybe one day if I can live outside the city have a little stable with a couple of retired horses that you know, go on a trail ride once or twice a month. But yeah, it's a lot of work, man. It's very expensive. Okay, let's do one more. Are you okay with doom scrolling? No, I did it this morning. I wasted nope. like 40 minutes. It's Stupid. ridiculous how fast time goes
2: when you doom scroll you think it's 10 and you're like oh i should have showered 30 minutes ago it's it's a black mm-hmm. hole of nonsense nine times out of ten you never feel good after doom scrolling ever
1: now bk i imagine doom scrolling for you is flipping through the encyclopedia no, i was gonna say I was
2: like, no like that's
0: just why i covered it, a lot of social media for the most part Eliminated a lot of the doom scrolling and freed up a lot of time to read books and do push-ups and other things that are far more positive impact on my life than doom scrolling.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. There's no denying that. Um, Doom scrolling is when you sort of get into the feeds on Instagram or Facebook stories or any of those Uh, Twitter and you just keep kind of swiping and you watch the little video and then you go to the next one and then you go to the, don't like that one, so you swipe again and you do get sucked into this black hole of time that you don't know where all the time went. We get stuck on our phones. Seems like monkeys even get stuck on their phones too. Ooh. Oh, we get to use the monkey button for the second time this week. Monkey, monkey, monkey. (laughs) Uh, This story is technically (laughs) about gorillas, uh, but really, you know, there is actually a difference. But what's the difference? Um, A teenage gorilla in a Chicago zoo has been getting too much screen time. According to the Guardian, a mayor, a 415 pound gorilla at Chicago's Lincoln Zoo has been staring too frequently at the screens of cell phones from visitors who show him pictures and videos through the glass wall. He, I, let's not body shame him at 415 pounds, but just call him a gorilla. He has apparently become so distracted as a result that last week, another teenage gorilla rushed him in a show of aggression he didn't even appear to notice. In recent months, zoo staff have had to install a rope line to keep visitors several feet away from the glass and have had to step in and explain that phone screens are a problem. Here is some interesting contrast. This is a news story from 2015 about phones and gorillas with a very different tone.
3: This gorilla's video has gone viral, and you can see why, because he loves phones. A gorilla captivated by pictures since he was young. The Louisville Zoo says a Lexington man took this video of a teenager scrolling through photos with 18-year-old western lowland gorilla Jelani. He just really loves to look at cell phone videos, pictures, he loves interacting with the public, and... um, A lot of times if you show him a video, if he's not busy doing something else, he'll come over and hang out. And that's what we tried. Jelani immediately came over as I showed him pictures of my children. He signaled when he was no longer amused. When he's bored with a picture or done with a video, he'll shake his hand a lot of times, or sometimes he'll look away, but he's really clear about when it's time to move on to the next one. What type of pictures or videos does he like the most?
2: He really prefers pictures of
3: animals and especially pictures of apes and monkeys. He also likes to look at pictures of people
1: makes kind of sense that dogs aren't supposed to be able to see TV but my dog watches the TV all the time and if you FaceTime yeah. with my dog she'll look at you and sniff the phone and call her name and she'll interact and look and and all kinds of stuff so i, I it makes sense to me i like that it's i just WDRB. i thought
2: it was interesting that then It was all excitement. Look at the gorilla wants to look at her phone. And now Mm -hmm. we're like, uh, the gorilla should not be looking at the phone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, this gorilla should not be looking at the phone either. Yeah. Uh, We're spending too much time getting sucked into consuming stuff like that. Oh, it's terrible. Bad for you. This is the shift podcast. Buy nothing project. We've had Shiroz on before. We've chatted about um, the, uh, the, the, the notion that giving things away and helping neighbors could be better than trying to sell your stuff. Shiroz, welcome back to The Shift.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So I've tried. We, we talked, I don't know, six weeks or so ago and said, mm-hmm. why don't we give this a try? and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to offer up things to people as soon as I I do this, and maybe I'm going about this the wrong way. I've tried to peruse the app. There's not a lot of users yet in my community, but I've tried to sort of do the Facebook and then the Buy Nothing Project app and, and, and sort of refer people and all that stuff. I think it's working. The problem is that I've found is with Buy Nothing that... seems like there's a lot of people that don't need what i'm trying to get rid of so my my needs are different than their needs so tell us about the buy nothing project and then let's start there about how we get things rolling because i i'm i'm working on it it seems to be working although maybe i'm just impatient so what is the buy nothing project
3: thing so the 101 is that buy nothing project is a weight is a gift economy that's hyper local and the intention is to share with your neighbors. And so it started off as Facebook groups and they're still there. And now there's an app that came out in November. The app allows uh, the user to set their perimeters. So you can share within half a mile of you up to 20 miles. And uh, and the purpose of it is to give, is to ask for things and to share your skills. And the only thing that's important is that it needs to be free, no strings attached.
1: No strings attached. And we're talking services, too. For example, you had shared with me about, hey, I've got a leaky something, something, can I borrow mm-hmm. your husband kind of yeah. um, cliche-type fun thing. but and, yeah. and it works. Like You've had people in the neighborhood show up and help.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We've had ladders for cats and trees, shop facts for flooded apartments, a metal detector for a lost ring.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: really handy. Okay, yeah. so you now I... Maybe I'm too narrow focused when I go through this because my basement needs to be cleaned out. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's some things in there that are just flat out valuable, frankly, that if someone and maybe this is selfish of me, but I wanted to get real with it. If somebody can afford to go camping uh, and they're going to you know, have a trailer, you know, having a bunch of extra trailer parts, giving them to somebody um, is one thing. When I sold my trailer, mm-hmm. I wanted to sell it from the perspective of whoever young family was going to buy it, you don't have to worry about basically anything, you know, bring your sleeping bags, bring your pillows. There's some dishes in here. It might not be everything, uh, spatulas, the basics, right? You can basically get in this thing and go, There's a barbecue included Mm -hmm. everything. So that's one thing there are things of value that you can sell and make money on if you need to get it out of your house. Should we, do you have you, cause you had shared that when you were trying to sell things, your economics were really kind of crappy cause you were never working really, really hard for minimal return. Mm-hmm. And you found that once you sort of opened your heart to just sharing, you were spending less and you didn't need to worry about selling things. And I, I still get kind of tangled up on that one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a few ways to look at this. We are super accustomed to paying for things. Right. right. And so that, of course, feels natural. Um, and then when you talk about something like a trailer or in another case, a diamond ring or a washing machine, these things are pricey and you don't want to risk maybe um, selling it to a stranger or or losing out on uh, potential money that can help your family. Right. Right. And like, like you mentioned, my circumstance from before, I needed money to buy things for myself and for my son and for our home. But when I was participating in the group, I found that I can get those same things for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that was the that was the turn for me. Mm-hmm.
1: So now I find I feel like that would work really really well. With I need a little uh, handy person around the house, or maybe some clothes for a seven year old or, hey, soccer cleats kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Is it more successful with certain topics than it is with others? Should we manage our expectations a little bit here? Um, Because I'm... One of the cool parts of this is when you put it together and you try to make it all work, you find that certain things work and certain things don't seem to fit. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone who's listening to go into this knowing that, you know, there's a bunch of things that could really, really help you here. Um, There's some things that may just not be a fit and you might just be best to put it on Kijiji and be done with it. So um, the cool part is since we spoke last time and in trying to clean up my clutter uh, I've learned that there there are some things that maybe I'm really good at and some things I'm really, really not good at. Is that something you had to face too?
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think some probably the biggest thing I had to face was, was how to socialize with neighbors. You know, yeah. these are folks that I wouldn't otherwise meet. They don't, uh, they're not my age perhaps, or they may not be along my political spectrum, for example. But learning to navigate those expectations, you know, learning to know, like I had to, I had to be mindful about who I thought I was going to meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the biggest thing for me. But as far as like things goes, I think a lot of that depends on, well, it requires that there be people, right? So a lot of that I would say depends on how many people are participating and perhaps the economic situation in the area.
1: Yeah. You know, what's yeah. cool about that, that I find is that this really becomes a social experiment, doesn't it? I mean, it, it really is. does. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm seeing it differently uh, after we talked about it. Cause at first I was like, Hey, this is amazing. I'm going to help people you watch. Right. And mm-hmm. then, um, but really it becomes a, a real hard look in the mirror. I, and I don't want to get overly philosophical with it, but it really is a hard look in the mirror of the stuff you're really bad at.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what it does is, is it does institute or like in, instigate a, a cultural shift, right? Like, we have this internalized sense of scarcity. There's not enough or we need to get something because otherwise we won't get it later. But I think participating in any kind of gift economy, buy nothing project or not, lets you see how much there really is. And it's not just what you have, but it's what others have as well.
1: Hmm. This is really, really good. I mean, I find that you know, for young parents with kids, the amount that we spend, because we've talked about the environmental impact of this, the amount we spend on stupid onesies that say, you know, you know, yes. I'm a like for babies and it's like, I'm a breast man. Like, you know, I mean, that's cute and stuff, but there's got to be enough of them out there.
3: There's plenty and there's shoes they'll never fit in. There's toys they don't care about. There's so much stuff out there. And it really is. It really is helpful to know that you don't have to spend your money on that. Mm. You know that there's a neighbor, a neighbor who can give that to you. And that neighbor may even have solicited or unsolicited parenting advice. You know, -hmm. it might be a future connection for you. They may be a future person to lean on.
1: So what have you found here? Where do you uh, have you met new friends? Like, is this a friends of proximity thing in your neighborhood now? Has it actually had that social impact? Because I'm thinking coming out of covid, we don't talk to people. I mean, that's (laughs) sort of compounded the problem. And, you know, we, we've we got to this other things we've talked about on the shift this week about supply chain issues getting exaggerated uh-huh. because of what's been going on in Ukraine. Uh-huh. Plus COVID, plus containers, plus all of these other things, price uh-huh. of gas and fuel. So, you know, I mean, we really are starting to see possibly not a lot of choice here in doing this. We, like this this could be one of those things that we have to do.
3: Yeah, yeah. So locally, we've had a group since 2016 that's been pretty active. And then during COVID, we, of course, accrued more members, but the participation didn't change. You know, there were still Mm -hmm. people uh, meeting each other and still people being there for each other, just in different ways this time, whereas where one would meet face to face was instead now a porch pickup, for example, you know, but as far as like things not being accessible during the beginning of lockdown, the things people reached for or asked for the most was toilet paper and homeschool supplies. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but our needs don't really change. Right. There's, there's some things that we'll always, we're always going to need. There's always going to be someone moving into a place and always somebody moving out. Right. And that's two people who could use the same box to move in and out. Right. So there's yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think that because that stuff, has an opportunity to extend its life it really lessens the effect that these supply chain issues have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: ryan did that when he moved um it was one of the things that uh that that he he said What. Well, he was like, oh, I just got to pick up some boxes. And this is, was inspired by our conversation, by the way. So this is blatantly falls in your lap. And I was <laughs> like, well, dude, I got all kinds of boxes. I, and I said to him, I said, I, I am going to need them back if they survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't, some of them don't survive, that's fine. But I'm going to need them back. And so that, I mean, that was directly inspired from this conversation. It's taken me, I want to acknowledge that it's taken me a long time to learn how to ask. Oh, and. Yeah. Right. It does. It's a human thing. You don't want to ask. It's like this fear of looking bad idea of I don't want to look like I don't have control here or that I need help Mm -hmm, or I -hmm. don't got this. And I've done all kinds of study work on on that sense of community and just asking. It's amazing what people will do for you when you ask.
3: Yeah, that that judgment is real, you know, and knowing that there is something maybe other people might find affordable and you don't, and then when you ask for it, are they thinking that you're cheap or are they thinking that you're poor and will they treat you different because of it, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing that we're serious about, the Buy Nothing has always been serious about specifically is that there is no there's no requirement to express need, right? And mm-hmm. there's no requirement for someone to re- express need for asking or receiving. You know, so if mm-hmm. someone's giving away a gallon of milk, they're going on vacation and it's it's going to expire while they're gone. You don't have to say I can't afford milk for my children. You can just say I'd love to have it, and I can pick it up at this time. Yeah. You know, and, but we
1: don't think about that part, right? We don't think about things like mm-hmm. milk or bananas,
3: right? But all that stuff, those are things that are normal. Those are things that we all need and use, and a gift economy makes all of that kind of like a level playing, right? There's you're participating with dignity, no matter what you're asking for or whatever you're giving. You know mm-hmm. asking is really, really, really hard, um especially if you're one of means and you're accustomed to just you know buying things and having it shipped to you, you mm-hmm. know, asking seems unnatural, But I think I don't know how your experience has been. It was hard for me at first, too, but once I started seeing how, once I did it a few times, I realized how easy it was and how expected it was that if I needed mm-hmm. something, I just needed to ask.
1: Yeah. One yeah. of the things I've been going through, and you can maybe share some experience of something specific that you've gone through recently, maybe since we've chatted last, that's, that's surprised you, is that with my puppy, I, I need to build a dog pen in the basement. Mm-hmm. And she's just not ready to be alone in the house. Um, and <laughs> um, and so she, but I also want her to have her own space. And um, and I've had dog pens in the basement before when I had dogs before. So this is this is the way that I I know how to deal with it. Lumber is ridiculous today. I don't need mm-hmm. it to look pretty. I don't I don't need it to look pretty. I also don't want to spend a bunch of work and. You know, I, I, I've i looked at the pallets and pallets are fine, but they're big and they take a ton of work to tear apart. Mm-hmm. And pallets might be the solution for sort of making it look a little bit more like a fence and all those things. Because I also don't just want to go bunch of buy a bunch of wire and do it that way either. I always mm-hmm. find that when dogs are alone, wire is kind of dangerous. Yeah. And so you know, that for me is one specific thing that I'm really determined to not just go spend $200 on because I don't have 200 extra dollars today. With everything that's changed with the price of gas, I have had to start rebudgeting in a way that I haven't budgeted in years. Mm -hmm. So I I can't be alone in that, right? And Mm -hmm. because I'm employed, not everyone listening right now is even employed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're budgeting on a whole different level than I am. Mm -hmm. So what's, Uh, That's a specific example of something that I'm trying to pull off through the Buy Nothing Project. What about you? What's something that's really surprised you maybe had success with or not had success with uh, recently since we chatted about? Because the Buy Nothing Project is important that we keep this alive in front of people.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, I can't think of anything that we haven't had success with. There have been people that have needed last-minute rides to the pharmacy or to a doctor's appointment, and they get them. You know, there's been... Uh, When you mentioned your your pup, I actually remembered something of my own with this cat. So we had gotten a new kitten a few years ago, and someone in the group was giving away a soft memory foam uh, warming bed, right? Mm. And this sounds luxurious and perfect, and my cat had zero interest in it. And I tried all kinds of different things, putting it in different places, laying catnip on there, whatever. Uh, A year goes by, and I gave up. I posted in the group. Somebody else wants it. Of course, my cat sat on it that day. Right. But I went ahead and gave it to somebody else. That person's cat also didn't care and they gave it to somebody else. So that's interesting. That's one cat bed rejected by four cats.
1: Well, they are cats.
3: They are cats, yeah. The desk <laughs> actually I'm sitting at right now is a is a buy nothing desk that I've had for a few years. It's sentimental to me because it was like one of the first big things I got. But also it also went through I think four different people before it came mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm as far as like unsuccessful i think that because my area is well practiced in gift economies so we have like a buy nothing project uh we have several buy nothing facebook groups and members in the app and then we also have local gifting groups that are not associated with the buy nothing project but allow for free things to give away right Mm -hmm. so i think because our my particular area is has is practiced in that culture of giving it's successful Yeah. And I think that, like, like I said, it's, this started in 2016. And I think when I took over the group, there was about 300 people, um, in June. And by December we hit a thousand, you know? Yeah. It's word of mouth. And a lot of things, a lot of what happens is people come for free stuff and then they stay because it feels good to give. It feels good to receive. And you're finding something deeper than just stuff.
1: What about, um, now your economics have changed. You said your family economics have truly changed, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, economics of um, of all of this is very clear. It's difficult yeah. for everybody. Um, you know, can you help everyone understand? I know you did share it with, a little bit with us last time. Can you help us understand what uh, what that looked like for you? Because I think when you give a specific example of if you're willing to share it, I don't want to get sure, too personal, sure, but sure. if you um, if you if you are truly seeing a benefit and a difference from this. Is that possible um, that we can provide an example to someone else
3: yeah i'm gonna give you two so once one from when i first started participating in Buy nothing so i was um super low income like food stamps medicaid that kind of stuff i was working full time um, for the local school district but it didn't pay enough as a result there were times where i would have to skip meals to make ends meet. So that's, where, that's the financial situation we're talking about here. When I joined the buy nothing group, I asked for, uh, somebody was giving away clothes that are my kid's size. And so mm-hmm. I asked for those and I got them and then shoes and then toys. And I was like, oh my gosh, why am I spending money on this stuff? And then I realized I have something to give. And suddenly I wasn't so poor anymore. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a huge change. I was able to give uh, large toys my son doesn't care about. And I didn't and it didn't bother me that I wasn't going to get five to 15 bucks for it, because what I was going to do with that five to 15 bucks is buy him more stuff. Right. Right. More clothes, more shoes, more food, whatever. I can ask for it if I need it. And that that was like that was really, really nice. I think Um, when when uh, food was scarce and that's probably the hardest thing to ask for is food. Like, uh, you kind of like, when you think about it, you kind of want to preserve your dignity. Right. And you're like, okay, yeah. I'll just wait till somebody asks. Somebody I'm a bad have- <laughs> parent.
1: I can't provide <laughs> extra food for my kids.
3: Right. Right. And it really, it really does affect your, your sense of self, right. And your sense as a provider for your family. But, but it's actually okay to say, does anyone have Reese Puffs and a gallon of milk until I get to payday? mm mm-hmm. You know, and no one's gonna say anything to you about you are an awful mother. You should have plain cornflakes and organic milk. And it's like, no, they're just gonna say, yes, I have it. No, I don't. And that's it. And then the other example I want to give is now I'm in a different financial position. I'm, <laughs> I'm upper lower middle class now <laughs> with this <laughs>
1: upper lower upper lower. i on the top end of the low end.
3: <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, um, eating three square meals. Uh, when I'm not fasting. Right. So, so now if I'm struggling or or even if I'm not struggling, if I want something, if I need something, I can just ask, I can afford to go out and buy a pair of black flats to wear to work, let's say, but I can also post in the group and see if someone has any, they want to give me. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. And I got two pairs.
1: This is where I feel this is really interesting to me is that I'm a capitalist hands down. I mean, I love business. I love doing business. I love creating, uh, that, that world of commerce. I love it. I find that this is equally as satisfying, right? It's not necessarily being a capitalist is not necessarily about the dollars, right? Which sounds ironic to some people. They're going to be like, how is that possible? Um, and yet you can be a capitalist and still support, uh, you know, what's best for everybody. Not everybody has to buy all the things all the time, right? There are many capitalists in the world that won't sell junk because they're like, I only sell premium items for a premium price because I'm not going to sell you junk. I don't believe it's worth it for you. You can go spend $10 on this crappy ring, right? And then, you know, it breaks in a month or you lose it. Or you can spend $300 on this really nice ring and you can have it for a lifetime. And so some people will choose as capitalists. They will say, I'm not going to sell you junk because I, I know for a fact it's not going to serve you in the long run. And so you can be a capitalist and still believe in a program like this as being what's best. That's the exciting part for me is it fits for everybody. It doesn't mean... Um, it doesn't mean that it's bad. And I should probably declare that, you know, I also draw the distinction of a big difference between capitalism and greed as being distinct mm-hmm. from each other because we often lose that. You say you feel rich now. Well, you don't feel rich now, but not poor. No. Um, not poor and rich, one and the same. And so is that a mindset shift that you've found value differently? Or is it actually just the economics of the numbers? Maybe That's a, a good both.
3: question. That's a good right? question. I want to say... At first it was a mind shift thing. Now mm. I have a better job and of course I'm I'm you know therefore I'm doing better financially. But initially that's what it was. And in fact I wouldn't even say once I got the better job, a better paying job that the transition that mind shift was any more different because I was already there. I right. already had transformed my internalized sense of scarcity, right? That capitalism right. does breed. It's, our economy is is based on uh, on money, right? Yeah. And yeah. the Gift economy is based on sharing what we already have, and what I like to think of it as is not replacing um, capitalist initiatives, but more like like it's cont- it's a different way of consumption. Yeah. Right. And I think that anybody that participates has committed to to sharing things that have already been used in one way or another.
1: Well, it's an interesting notion, right? I I would I would challenge this in the spirit of friendship. I would say mm-hmm. it's possible that you got. The new job and you it chased it, achieved it, all those things that you accomplished because of the shift in the mindset of not being poor um, and finding, you know, richness in in, you know, being whole as a person. I mean, that's deeply philosophical, but it could be true. And I would also remind everybody this that and I, this is a big stand for me is that you have to remember that dollars are actually worth nothing. Like money's worth nothing. It's not worth anything until you share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. So when it's sitting in a tote in your basement or whatever, or it's a number on a, on your screen because it's in your bank account, it's actually worth nothing. If you have a million of them or if you have 10 of them, all that shifts is the mindset, the okay. belief that you're rich. It doesn't really matter a dollar's still Absolutely. worth a dollar like one dollar mm-hmm. still worth a dollar. So whether you have mm-hmm. 10 of them or a million of them. Yeah, okay, you might have more freedom to spend the dollars, but that dollar's still worth the same mm-hmm. unless you're using it. So yes, having access to more dollars can make life a lot easier. Sure. But yeah. that shift in the mindset is really everything. And that's what I see going on here. Not to take your buy nothing project and make it all hippy <laughs> dippy. But I feel like that's the big part of what's going on here
3: it is is mindfully it, to participate in a gift economy you have to be mindful it, it requires that it causes you to to make decisions based on the desire to give right it it's it's that mindful engagement that breeds these connections right that makes participation fulfilling that provides that positive feedback and that makes it sustainable Mm-hmm. and it'll it's mine it, it opens your mind I mean we've I've had uh, members um, early on in my my buy nothing project days that were high income and only gave away and never asked for anything and that's fine right. that's fine and you can be the reverse as well always yeah. you know receive and, and never give right. but it was after some after some time of participating they also realized they can ask for something and no one's gonna say but you have money right yeah and like like you mentioned the onesies, I mean, really, nobody needs to be paying for onesies that a kid is going to wear for a month.
1: No, right?
3: no one should. And no. it's fine to ask for those things. And, and in fact, it, it's the, the mindful engagement that I'm referring to allows you to to choose who you're giving to. And that's saying that I want to connect with you. You know, you're already coming at someone with kindness
1: yeah it's an old school yeah. mentality i absolutely love it kicking back to what is neighbors what is community all of mm-hmm. those things and um you know it's uh, give ask, gratitude is sort of the the pillars of of the notion of the yeah. buy nothing project and uh, it's by nothing org, by the way um and if you the, the give ask, gratitude is is really um you know that could there, there's so much more to it because it really is connect. It's about authenticity. It's about community and and all of that. I like it. This is really great, Sheryl. Um, thanks so much for sharing this story. I want to keep this alive. Go get the app. Buy Nothing Project. You'll see it uh, when you go to your app store and uh, and pick it up um for your iPhone and stuff like that it's it's pretty cool it's kind of green and leafy looking <laughs> snowflakey looking and um and you'll and grab it and take a look and if you don't find a lot of people in your community on the app get involved in the Facebook groups and just remind people that the app is there if that's easier for you too because that just allows for more freedom of the group which mm-hmm. is cool yeah thanks buddy i really thanks appreciate being you. here awesome yeah, yeah. we'll talk to you soon
3: talk to you soon
0: This is the Shift Podcast.
4: All right, Kyle Blainer, you there? Oh wow, what an ordeal! Technology wow. sometimes doesn't work the way you want it to.
1: No, it's been um, some sort of weird. I'm going to blame it on a solar flare for the last few days um, that we've gone through with um, with technology. But I'm glad you're back. Anyway, I was asking you about being heartbroken about ski season.
4: And I was saying, I was, I'm trying to figure out how to get up one more time because like Whistler on the weekend, 78 centimeters of snow, Whoa! like between 20 and 40 centimeters on the local hills. We've just had a whole bunch of snowfall. There might be more this weekend. So yeah, skiing is still a possibility. I just, it's now we've got ball and ultimate and climbing and all these other things. So I just don't know that there's time. Ha. Ah, but it's beautiful that spring is coming, that's for
1: sure. Blaine is not only into the uh, games and the gadgets, he also works hard at being a dad. That's why Ask loves his dad time. And if you follow the Solacore.com Twitter, you can see some of those uh, real-life experiences, too. All right, Blaine, let's dig into some of the things you have here. I know Ryan's excited to chat with you about some of his gaming adventures over the last week or so. Uh, Where do you want to get us started?
4: Well, we've got three very different kinds of games to talk about uh, in the first part of our time together. I think we need to start with tiny Tina and her wonderlands. And I think we got a clip.
0: Dragon adventure, baby, come get it. You
2: see the walls
0: of the mighty bright Hoof. And a massive skeleton army. Catapults are assaulting the city. The sky is filled with arrows and boulders and bones. Evil is all around you. Come on, let's kill
3: these idiots.
1: Sounds like the Wicked Witch of the West.
4: Yeah, so Tiny Tina is a character from the Borderlands 2 game. She's making an appearance here, but not in the way you might think. She's actually a game master in this meta-narrative that kind of sits on top of Borderlands. The other important thing you need to know about Tina is she's a preteen. So, this is a kid, ostensibly, but in the world of Borderlands, nothing is simple. Um, Tina is, she's got a borderline psychotic fascination with explosives. Um, but the thing that makes Borderlands so interesting is all of these characters are bigger than life and they're ridiculous and silly. But the way that developers have made these games and these characters is there's a lot of like real character that anchors them. And so one of the DLCs, the downloadable content uh, experiences that Gearbox came out with for Borderlands 2 was Tina leading a bunch of the other NPC characters through a Dungeons and Dragons analog that they call Bunkers and Badasses. And so it was sort of really just a silly riff on the Borderlands shooter game But at that time, you actually realize that Tina's got a lot of trauma at the core of her character. And that really comes through in this game. It was very well received. So well received, the Gearbox decided that maybe they could make an entire game based on this concept of characters in a game playing their own game. And that's what Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is. It's characters from another video game that are getting together to play a tabletop role-playing game, and you come in to play with them. So it's got all of the crazy, wacky chaos that you expect from Borderlands, but with skeletons and dungeons and dragons themes layered on top of it, and you've got Will Arnett playing the bad guy. And it's just outrageous it's hilarious it's what i like to say mostly mindless mayhem tiny tina's wonderlands is a must for anybody who likes borderlands and if you like shooters you should really be taking a look
1: so it's kind of sounds to me it's kind of like the marvel comic book woven with the lego movie wreck at ralph everything coming together kind of like uh the um The new basketball movie, that uh, the movie that just came out with Bugs Bunny. It's like all the characters all the time in all the things.
4: Yeah, there's a real layer of meta going on here, right? Because you've got characters that are playing characters that are playing characters. So um, it's it's rated teen, so it's not too outrageous. I'm actually playing it with my son. It's something that we can play together. And that's something else that's great about this is you can actually play couch co-op with up to four people. That's a rare thing these days. And we just it's it's brilliantly written. It's hilarious. Um, the voice acting is top notch. You you caught a taste of it in that clip there. Uh, it's just really well done and super fun.
1: Blaine Kylo, solocore.com gaming gadgets. It's a technological world. Let's save one of these for after the break, because I want to give it its uh, its due course of conversation plus Ryan's game too. So which one do you want to hit before we go?
4: Well, let's talk Kirby real quick. So this is the new game for the Nintendo Switch, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Very different from Tiny Tina. This is light. It's friendly. It's a platforming game. For the first time, Kirby is in a 3D world. So really, this is you becoming Kirby and running around trying to collect all of the secrets that are in the hidden areas and free the Waddle Dee creatures that have been imprisoned and that's the objective, is to find all of the secrets in the different levels and continue playing through it. This is also something you can play with a friend. This is just a nice, light, fun platformer with plenty of replayability. This one leaves me with a smile.
1: Ryan O'Donnell has spent a large portion of the last couple of days on his couch playing video games and very excited to do it. Blink Kylo is here as well, the technological world. Ryan, thumbs up, thumbs down. I know you've shared with us your, your Lego adventure game um for blaine do you give it the uh the five stars what is it
2: it is thumbs cramped because i can't stop it's mm. it's uh i saw a video a guy posted on uh tiktok he played the game for 17 hours straight yesterday What? which is yeah just unhealthy he, he admitted that's unhealthy but it is that good um blaine like I'm too much of a nerd to convince someone that has no interest in this of how objectively great it is. Would you be so kind to share what makes the Lego Skywalker Saga game like so special?
4: Well, I haven't actually played it yet. I just got my no code way. yesterday, <gasps> but I can tell you why I'm excited to play it. Yes, please because do. there is something that TT Games, the developer of the Lego games has been able to do, and that is to make you feel like you're in the Star Wars world, even though the characters and the environments are all built by Lego pieces, mm-hmm. even though there's no dialogue, even though there's none of that that's the, that comes from the films themselves, you know what these characters are saying simply by how they react and the ability to make a Lego minifig give you a reaction that tells you everything you need to know. That's a unique feat.
2: It is. And even in this game, which has full voice acting, you can turn on mumble mode. You can literally turn on a mode where the characters don't talk. Instead, they just go. You can also turn on pew, pew mode where all the guns literally sound pew, pew, pew. Like it's, it's fun. There's a certain kind of childhood on wonder The game has I'm excited for you to play it because you'll it'll hit you the second you load in to whatever Star Wars movie you decide to play as very special i I, I do
4: know that one of the other things that this game has brought is there's more role-playing game elements you can actually sort of you're playing lots of characters at the same time and you have some degree of control over how you're going to make these characters better and that's new to the series so they have done something different with the skywalker saga and i'm a little jealous that you've already played it because it's certainly high on my list
1: shredders is also on your list next here blaine kylo let's go snowboarding
4: Yeah, this is how I'm going to stay on the snow well into the spring and summer is with this game. Shredders, this is a very authentic snowboarding game. So authentic that they actually got a bunch of snowboard stars to come in and provide advice on how to make it feel authentic. The one problem with Shredders is they also got those snowboard stars to do a lot of the voice acting that's in in the game. And you can tell, it's like... They should totally stay on the snow and, uh, not go into the sound studio, but, um, it's the most authentic snowboarding game that you can play right now. And if you are a snowboarder and you want to keep that fun into the spring and summer shredders available on windows and Xbox series X and S and available with Xbox game pass. If you're a subscriber. Blaine Kylo,
1: also gadgets, Apple Maps, if you're in select places in Canada, gets a bit of a 3D treatment
4: here. Yeah, this is something that was a real promise of Apple Maps when it was first released, is the ability to sort of explore places in three dimensions, and Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal are now part of the 3d rendering world within Apple maps. This is actually a really great way for tourists to navigate places. If you're on the ground and trying to find your way around a top-down map, sometimes doesn't really give you the information that you need to figure out what you're going to do. Being able to turn that into a 3d scape that you can explore and you can actually see, Oh, that building is the one that's beside me. Um, it, it makes a real difference to being able to navigate these cities. That experience is available for other major cities in the world like London, Los Angeles, New York, Philly, San Diego, San Francisco, and Washington. So three of Canada's major cities uh, join a pretty prestigious list of cities with 3D renderings in apple map it's
1: really cool hit the flyover button if you go to the map and then you just turn your phone around and it gives you like this top-down look it's totally three-dimensional it's really neat i if you've got the uh if you have got an apple phone just go to your apple map search vancouver and you'll see it there as well elon musk um strange as he is has bought himself further into twitter and i uh, read a tweet about a guy who quit live on twitter because of it
4: Yeah, this is really interesting. So on the 25th of March, Musk asked people on Twitter, he's very active on Twitter, he asked them if they thought that Twitter adhered to the principle that free speech is essential to a functioning democracy, which kind of flies in the face of the fact that Twitter is a private company and not a democracy. Um, And then it came out a couple of days later that Musk had acquired 9.2% of Twitter's shares, which makes him... He doesn't own the majority of stocks, but he's the shareholder that has more shares than anyone else. So, a couple of days after that, Twitter decided, well, let's add him to our board. So now Elon Musk actually has some power to do things within Twitter. A day later, uh, Twitter announced that they were going to actually, they have actually been testing an edit feature. Which is interesting because that was the first thing that Elon asked his Twitter army when it was announced he was joining the board was, do you want an edit button? And of course, everybody wants an edit button. We've been talking about it for years. Twitter says that they've been working on this long before Elon asked for it. Um, But that raises a couple of things. What does Elon Musk want to do with Twitter now that he will have some power to change things, given that he's on the board? And... What's an edit button on Twitter actually going to look like? Because when you think it through, it's not necessarily the best idea. We all want to be able to change our typos. Yes, but if you embed a tweet on your website and then somebody goes and edits that tweet to be something really negative and really nasty, you've got no way of knowing that that's necessarily happened. Um, and it's also a way for people who have really bad takes to try and make it seem like they didn't have bad takes. I can think of a whole yep. bunch of politicians. It's very example. scary. So put a timer. the idea of an edit timer is, I think that's I, I suspect it's that's a what it is. And and the, and embedded tweets will not reflect edits if you make edits afterwards. I think that yeah. you know Twitter's got a pretty strong research department. I think that they'll find a way that everybody can get close to what they're wanting.
1: I think you'll be able to edit and I think you'll have a time frame with which you can um uh, you can uh, edit that, and then after that, it's going to lock off, and then if it's too late, then you have to delete it. The reality is is that you could go and you could post in there something incredibly uh, mean and inflammatory, You get a bunch of people saying a bunch of negative things, and then go change your post and be like, I love this, this is the best, and then you make a bunch of people look bad. Elon Musk now at his 9% stake in Twitter is its largest shareholder, all of a sudden, uh, poof. So I guess the bored part is probably that hostile takeover conversation. I would imagine that's probably a thing. Well, don't take over the company, so we'll just make you a member of the board, and then you get a say. It's it's fascinating business as yeah, well as know. to see what comes of I don't of know
4: it. that Elon wants to take it over. There was actually another company, Elliott, which was a, um, a, a takeover company. They actually made a move last year to try and do that and got somebody on the board. But then Jack Dorsey stepped away as CEO, and Parag Agrawal um, stepped in. And so Elliott's backed out of the picture. Elon, though, could be a very interesting player here. Blaine, Kylo, Solocore.com. Thank you, Blaine. Have a great week.
1: Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.